Amen. Amen. You can have a seat tonight. Get your Bibles and go with me to Luke, the ninth chapter. In fact, if you find Luke chapter 10, we're going to be kind of close to that, at kind of towards the end of Luke chapter number 9. Tonight, I want to talk to you about a subject called the determined believer. The determined believer. Uh, baseball great and Hall of Famer Yogi Berra was well known for many of his quirky quotes. He had a lot to say, and uh, people actually picked up on them. They actually called them yogiisms after a while. And uh, he would say things like this. They, they asked him about a restaurant. He said, oh, no one goes to that restaurant anymore. It's too crowded. That was like a, a yogiism, all right? Another thing, when it, what they said about the baseball games, when people weren't coming out. He said, if people don't want to come out to the ballpark, nobody's going to stop them. Now, you've got to think about some of these things that he's saying because they actually don't make sense a lot of the times. One time he was giving directions, and there was a place where there was a fork in the road, and you could take either way it would lead you to the same place. But when he was giving the directions, he said, when you get to the fork in the road, take it. That was the kind of thinking he had. He said, always go to other people's funerals. Otherwise, they won't go to yours. Here's another one. He said, I don't want to make the wrong mistake. I like that one. I don't want to make the wrong mistake. I'll make the right mistakes, but I don't want to make the wrong mistake. Here's another one. You can see a lot by watching. I'd say that's true. I'd say that's true. Or the last one that I want to bring out tonight is this. If you don't know where you're going, you'll end up somewhere else. In fact, that last one makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Uh, My dad um, got on to be with the Lord. When he was on the earth, he dealt with a thing called road rage. Many times I remember being in the car with my father, and he would grit his teeth, and he'd call people boneheads, and he would say this. He would say, figure out where you're going before you get there. And that always stuck with me. That made a lot of sense. You know, you've got to figure out where you're going before you get there. You've got to understand the course that you're taking before you start to head out. But once you know where you're going, you need to be determined. You need to be resolute. You need to understand the direction that God has called you to in life. Make a decision and stick with it. Luke chapter number 9, verse number 51. I'm going to read it to you in the Amplified Classic Version. It's a verse about Jesus. And it talks about what Jesus was doing, where he was headed, and him knowing where he was going before he got there. Look at what it says in Luke chapter number 9. You can read along. In fact, tonight, uh, all throughout the scriptures, I think I've only got one scripture from the New King James Version. The rest of them, we're going to be bouncing around translations and just having some fun in the Word of God. So follow along in your version, but we'll read along on the overheads and have some fun as we go. Luke chapter number 9, verse 51 in the Amplified Classic says this. Now, when the time was almost come for Jesus to be received up to heaven... He steadfastly, look at this, and determinedly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He steadfastly and determinedly set his face to go to Jerusalem. That means he turned in the direction that he wanted to go, and he wasn't getting off of that. He wasn't turning to the right or to the left. In fact, when the disciples heard that Jesus was going to suffer, when the disciples heard that Jesus was going to a cross and was going to die, they rebuked him. They pulled, Peter pulled him aside. Did Jesus get over here? Far be it from you, Lord. No, this isn't going to happen. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. At one point, he told the disciples, let this sink down into your ears. And my dad might have added, you boneheads, you know. But he said, I'm going to the cross and I'm going to die. What's he saying? He was determined. And he gives us an example that we should follow, that we should know the course of God. Didn't Jesus say, I do those things that I see my father doing? Didn't Jesus live his life on purpose? He needed to go through Samaria to meet up with the woman at the well. He had 
divine appointments, things that he had to do. There were prophecies, hundreds of them that he had to fulfill in his lifetime. Every step of Jesus was laid out before him. God had already determined the course that he was going to take. And even though it was marked with suffering and pain and rejection and betrayal and even death, Jesus still set his face to go determinedly and steadfastly to Jerusalem. He wasn't going to go off course. And in our lives as Christians, God has a course. God has a plan. Maybe you heard that. Maybe somebody was witnessing to you one time before you got saved and somebody said, hey, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I love that. I love that because it's so true. God loves you. And God has a wonderful plan for your life. But many times when we get in the middle of this plan, we realize that it's a lot like Jesus' plan. It's marked with suffering, pain, rejection. At times, people might betray you. People might turn their backs on you because you got saved. People might persecute you because of the stance that you take for Jesus Christ. And some are called to give the ultimate sacrifice. And yet, like Jesus as believers, no matter what comes our way, we ought to be determined to follow the plan and the path that God has laid out before our feet. So tonight, what's it going to take to be a determined believer? The determined believer, number one, is determined to follow God. Number one thing right off the bat, the determined believer is determined to follow God. I want to show this to you in Ruth chapter number one, verse number 16 through verse number 18. Many of you guys know the story of Ruth. Her mother-in-law was named Naomi. Naomi had two sons. There came a famine, and they went down to a place called Moab. As they went to Moab, both of her sons died. And so Naomi was headed back home after the famine had ceased. And as she was headed back home, her daughters-in-law were following her. And she says, turn back. I don't have any more sons to give you. In fact, if I had children right now, would you wait for them to be old enough to become your husbands? There's no use following me. Go back to your people. Go back to your gods. And go and find husbands and live a good life. But Ruth has a different heart. This Moabite woman is following her. And it says this in Ruth chapter number 1, verse number 16, down through verse number 18. Like I said, I got one verse in the New King James. Here it is. Here we go. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. Look at what she says. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Look at this last part. And your God, my God. In other words, this Ruth saw something in her mother-in-law, Naomi. She saw a heart. She saw a life. And she saw her devotion to God. And she said, I want that. I desire that. And I'm determined to follow that. Verse 17, where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. She was going to be faithful to the very end. The Lord do so to me. Now, all of a sudden, she has taken up the name of Naomi's God. She just say, your God will be my God. Now, all of a sudden, she's swearing an oath by it. She's making a vow. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Verse 18, when she, speaking of Naomi, saw that she, Ruth, was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. In other words, I'm not going to get this girl off my leg. She's going wherever I go. I remember a time where my children just were, were, were just large enough to wrap around 
just the lower part of my leg. Don't, don't you love those phases? Some of you parents, right? Some of you parents are in the middle of that. It's so fun when they wrap their arms around you and their legs around you and say, Daddy, you can't go. And you're dragging them all over the house and walking around. Anywhere you go, they're going. They're just attached like a little monkey on your leg. Or maybe they're, they're, they're just holding on and letting you drag them across the floor on their bellies. See, I think that's the type of determination that the believers have to have. That we are determined to follow God. God, wherever you're going, I'm going. Wherever you stay, God, I'm staying. God, if you're stopping, I'm stopping. God, if you're moving, I'm moving. God, it doesn't matter. You can't get me off your leg, God. I'm going to be there with you every step of the way. Famed uh, explorer and medical missionary David Livingstone wrote to the Missionary Society regarding the inquiry to send him help. And he said, if a man will only come if there is a good road, I don't want him. I want men who will come if there's no road at all. Notice what he's saying. He said, I want people who are actually called to this. People who are actually called to follow God to come and do what I'm doing. I don't want people just to come just because I found the source of the Nile or because I, I've got this famous expedition going on. I don't want people seeking fame and fortune. I want people who are ready to come and to serve Jesus even when it hurts. I want people to come in the midst of depression and people who are going to battle through sickness and people who are going to fight when there are people coming against them. People who are going to stand up and stand strong through it all. I want them to come even if there's no road at all. People are going to follow God. And I believe that that's something that if people would see in Christians, that determination to follow God even when it hurts, I believe that there would be more people wanting to be Christians. Because if they see that just a little bit of persecution... Just a little bit of trial, just a little bit of problems will get you off your faith, and your faith wasn't very valuable. It wasn't worth anything. So why should I value it when you try and tell me about it? We have to be determined to follow God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number one in the Passion Translation, very familiar verse. Maybe you memorized it in, in another translation, but look at what it says in the Passion Translation. It says, as for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds, People like David who was determined to follow God even when Saul was trying to kill him. People like Jeremiah who couldn't help but preach the word of the Lord even when they threw him in a cistern and he was up to his waist in mud. People like Ezekiel and Isaiah who received very strange directions from what they were supposed to do when they prophesied. Very strange for Hosea. And the prophets, when God was telling them in the midst of these circumstances, I want you to go and do this, and they had to go lie on their side naked for a whole month. People who prophesied with their children standing next to them as a witness. The Bible tells us that these great men and women of faith were sawn in half, were burned with fire, hidden holes in caves, and many didn't receive the promises because they looked for something greater in the future. So it says, since we are... Surrounded by these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and, look at this, determination. For the path has been already marked out before us. Do you know who marked out the path for us? Jesus did, right? Jesus is the one who marked out the path. He is the captain of our salvation. He's already gone out before us. And now he's saying, will you come and will you follow me, even if it hurts? Come on, if you're willing, would you just say amen right now and give the Lord a praise? The determined believer is determined to follow God. Second thing is this. Second thing for us tonight is this. Is the determined believer is determined to do God's will. 
not only to follow God, but to do his will. Senator Mark Hatfield tells the story of touring Calcutta, India with Mother Teresa and visiting the so-called house of dying where sick children are cared for in their last days. And the dispensary where the poor are left in the hundreds to receive medical attention would stand. Mother Teresa would minister to these people and while he watched them, feeding them and nursing them and going by those who were dying and holding their hands, Hatfield was overwhelmed by the sheer magnitude of the suffering that she and her co-workers faced daily. And he went to her and he asked her this question. He said, how can you bear the load without being crushed by it? She replied, my dear Senator, I'm not called to be successful. I'm called to be faithful. In our lives, we need to understand that the definition that God uses for success is different than the definition that man uses for success. See, as we follow Jesus, realize that Jesus didn't have the multitudes that he had when he was feeding the 5,000 or the 4,000. He didn't have the multitudes he had when he was preaching the message of the Mount of Beatitudes. He didn't have the multitudes thronging him like when he was on the road and people were pressing in and people were coming around him to where the disciples actually had to move people out of the way. He didn't have the crowds that he had when he was on the Sea of Galilee and he had to go into the boat and launch out a little bit to preach to the people. At the cross, it was his mama, a couple of other ladies, and one of his disciples. And in the measure of man's success, we would say that Jesus at the cross was a failure. Because he had nothing and he had no one except for a handful of people that were closest to him. Everyone had deserted him. In fact, if you look at the Apostle Paul's life, it ended with his head being chopped off by a Roman sword. It ended being in jail. It ended being persecuted. In fact, there were people who he had raised up who had betrayed him and left him. He had been snake bit. He had been shipwrecked. He had been beaten. He had been beaten with rods. He had been whipped 40 lashes minus one several times. He was actually stoned. They thought they were going to stone him to death. And he was left for dead, snake bit, out in the middle of the waters overnight. If you looked at his life in the natural, you'd say, man, this, this guy, he was a failure. He didn't really do too much. And yet today, the followers of Jesus are in the tens, if not hundreds of millions all over the earth. In fact, if you add up many major religions, you could say that we're actually in the billions. If you look at the number of people reading the writings of Paul every day, it would outweigh the number of people reading every other author on the planet's readings all together. That's how many people are following after Jesus and Paul, who by the world standard we would say were failures, but yet by God's standards, he says they were faithful. We are called and we are determined to do God's will. Look at what it says in Isaiah chapter 50, verse number 7. Isaiah chapter 50, verse number 7, in the New Living Translation. In fact, a lot of times people will uh, connect this verse with the verse that we started out with in Luke chapter number 9. Isaiah chapter 50, verse number 7 in the New Living Translation says this, Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone. Many times people say Jesus set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem. And they do that because of this verse, because I've set my face like a stone. Look at this. Determined to do what? Oh, come on. Help me out tonight. Determined to do what? Say it one more time. Determined to do what? Come on online. Type it in the comment section. Determined to do his will. And then it goes on and says, and I know that I will not be put to shame. Why? Because even if man on the earth shames you for doing what's right, 
Even if nobody follows, even if they talk about you behind your back or in front of everybody online, come on, we've all felt that, haven't we? Even if they revile you and say, you know what, you're, you're just a crazy, you're a radicalized Christian, you are now turning into a domestic terrorist. Even if they label you as a fool, dismiss you, and don't want to listen to you. Listen, if you are faithful to do what God has called you to do, you will by no means be put to shame. Because there's going to come a day that God says they will come before your feet and worship. Why? Because I am the Lord. I am the God. And at that name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And at the end of it all, he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And he will hand out rewards to those who have been faithful. And that's what this is all about, is us being determined to do God's will. Determined. Oftentimes, I spend more money. Oftentimes, I spend longer hours. Oftentimes, I have to take the high road rather than taking the low road, all because I'm just determined to do God's will. Remember when the, the economy crashed, and no guilt for anybody who did this, but there was a lot of strategic default during that time. A lot of people said, you know what? Interest rates are going crazy. Uh, I can't communicate with, you know, the mortgage companies, things like that. Um, the, the, the prices are outlandish. I can't afford it. And so they had to do something that was hard for them to do. Like I said, there's no shame. A lot of people had to do a strategic default and give up their home that they worked so hard for and go and rent and go and do what they needed to do. I was ready to do that. I was like, man, this is nuts. I need to get out of this. And God told me no. I was like, why God? And he said, well, because you can afford the payment. I'm like, I, I know I can, but then if I afford the payment, I can't afford anything else. And he said, so? So I was house broke for 10 years. House broke. You know what that is? That's where you got the house, but you got nothing else, right? <laughs> you're looking for deals at the grocery store because you're paying your mortgage, right? I mean, that was me. That was me making good money, but it was all going to the house. And I remember I prayed for two years, two long years, by the way, on the phone in the morning, on the phone at night. In the morning, I'd get up before it was time to go to work, before the kids had to go to school and everything. I'd be on the phone with the mortgage company trying to work with them. Okay, listen, I know that the interest rate, I know it's going to just, okay, I understand my rates, I understand my terms, I need help. No, I can't do that, but I can do this. Here's what we, we can do. Yes, I can afford it, but I need to modify this. Two years I was on the phone. And in the morning, then I'd go home afterwards at the evening, and because I had to leave in the morning, I'd go back and I'd call back and I'd get someone else and they'd say something completely different than the person in the morning said. And all the way through this, I'm going, God, can I just default on this house? Can I just give it back to the bank? Can I just, God, it's a part of the terms of the loan. It's not sinful. It's a part of the covenant. This is the covenant agreement. If I hand him the keys and I don't pay it, then guess what? He said, but you said you would pay it if you could. And so I had to take the high road, and that was the will of God. For two years, I prayed through that modification. Finally got the modification. It didn't change the payment at all. It just finally got me paying the mortgage down. Praise the Lord for that. So now I wasn't paying all this interest. I was actually paying principal and interest. And yet here I was, house broke, until God finally moved us. God used that house to be a blessing to someone else. And now I realize why I owned the house. Because if I didn't own that house, I could not have ever blessed the individuals who are now living in that home. 
See, God has a plan. God has a path. God has a will that he is predetermined. And we don't know where our steps are going to lead us. Oftentimes, we're just following blindly by faith in the natural. We're blind in the natural. Don't, don't know about it. Can't conceive what God is doing. Can't understand, God, why? Why would you have me doing this? Why would you make me do this, God? Why, why should I take the high road? A lot of people frustrated with the government right now. God, why are we paying taxes? Because the word of God says so. Take the high road. A lot of people frustrated with others online. Well, God, why can they say it and I can't? Here's the reason why. Because when Jesus was reviled, he, you couldn't find any guile in his mouth. Like a sheep being led to the slaughter, he was silent before his shears. See, we're following in the footsteps of Jesus. And the will of God is not that we be seen, that we be heard, that we shake our fists at society and let them know, give them a piece of our mind. No, the will of God is that we would love, that we would pray. That we would minister to those who will hear and not cast our pearls before swine and move on from those things. But that we would be an example, that we would be a pattern of good works, the Bible says. And that what we see in the holy men and women of God all throughout the Bible, that we would model those things in our own lives. We are here determined to do the will of God. Can anybody say amen? Last one for us tonight is this, is determined, and I like this one, determined to win the prize determined to win the prize. You know, we don't have a natural, temporary perspective. We have an eternal perspective. And God gives us an eternal incentive. You know, incentives, oftentimes we feel bad if we're motivated by them here on the earth, right? If we're motivated, because we don't ever want to use the gospel as a means of gain. The Bible speaks very clearly about that. There are some people who believe that, that preaching the gospel is just a way to make money. And they've got their gimmicks, and they've got their ways of doing that, and, the, and that's what they're all about. But God doesn't want us to do that, but he does incentivize our life. In other words, there is a reward for what we do when we're here on this earth. There's going to come a day, and why does God incentivize that? Because he built us to hope. It's on the inside of us. God has placed eternity in the hearts of men, and if eternity is no better than this, then why even try, right? But if we know, I'm going to go through some terrible things on this earth, I'm going to go through some hard times, some tough things, some challenges. There's going to be problems and pressures and trials and temptations. I'm going to have my up times and my down times. If we know that at the end of it all, there will be a reward awaiting us, then guess what? We now are determined to win the prize no matter how hard it is. Someone once asked Paul Harvey, the journalist and radio commentator, to reveal the secret of his success. Harvey's answer was, I get up when I fall down. Thomas Edison tried 6,000 filaments before finding one, one, that worked. Because he fought through the failure, he invented a light bulb that now we can have these wonderful lights that we're enjoying right now. And some of you guys there watching online are enjoying at your homes. All because somebody said, I could fail 10,000 ways, and yet it's never a failure. I just found 10,000 ways that don't work. And that's the attitude of every believer. We are determined to win the prize. First Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 24 through verse number 26. And the J.B. Phillips paraphrase, J.B. Phillips was from England, and he wrote these for young adults to learn the word of God. And listen what he says in First Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 24 through 26. It says this, do you remember how on a racing track every competitor runs, but only one wins the prize? Well, you ought to run with your minds fixed on winning the prize. Verse 25. Every competitor in athletic events goes into serious training. Everybody say serious training. Athletes will take tremendous pains. Everybody say tremendous pains. 
for a fading crown of leaves. See, at the time, the crown that they got, it wasn't a gold medal that they put around their neck. It was some leaves. You ever seen the old Greek games? They had that little laurel of leaves going around their head. That's what they were running for. Every competitor in athletics goes into serious training. Athletes will take tremendous pains for a fading crown of leaves. But our contest is for an eternal crown. Everybody say eternal crown. That will never fade. Verse 26, I run the race then with what? With what? Come on, one more time. With what? With determination. I am no shadow boxer. I really fight. See, I believe that the fight has come out of the church. It's become dead cold religion. It became the thing to do, and that's why young people got off of it, because they were looking for authenticity and something real. They wanted somebody that was passionate, somebody that actually was in the fight. They saw right through the pretentious lies and through the empty, vain things that were being spoken. And yet, if there is a church that will rise up and fight, if there's a church that will rise up and do the will of God, if there's a church that will rise up and just follow the footsteps of Jesus, I believe that the world is watching and is waiting for you and I to not just go to church, but to be the church, to reach out, to love, to go beyond our borders, to be like Jesus, to reach out our hands, to pray, to touch, to heal, to work miracles. I believe that people are looking for the genuine power and move of God. I believe that there are people who are watching your life, looking to see if you're the real deal. But are you going to fight? Because the devil is going to come against you. He's going to lie to you. He's going to tell you it's not worth it. He's going to tell you it's better to sin than it is to serve God. See, there's a price that we pay, but there's also a prize that we win. The price is determination, which comes with discipline and pain. Mm. But our prize is eternal crown, which comes from Jesus himself. If we keep our eyes on the prize, then we will endure the pain of the process to get there. God knew that that eternal prize would impact the way that we live our lives here and now. Without it, what would be the point? And yet with it, we realize that eternally there's a crown waiting for me, a crown of righteousness, a crown of life. And guess what? We get to cast those crowns at the feet of Jesus because eternally he is our sun and our shield, our exceeding great reward. So as believers, we're determined. We're determined, number one, to do what? Thank you for that one person who was listening tonight, taking good notes. We're determined to do what? To follow God. Number two, we are determined to do what? God's will. And number three, we are determined to do what? To win the prize. Come on, if you got something from the word of the Lord tonight, give God a great big praise. Hallelujah. God is good. You say, Pastor, are you done already? Yes, I am. Praise the Lord. But church is not done yet. So I want you guys to remain seated. Everybody stay put. Even online, I want you guys to stay right where you're at. Don't turn off your computer or turn off your phone or whatever browser you're using. Listen up because God wants to speak to your life right now. I want to just talk to you guys about your eternal life before you leave this place. We talked about eternal rewards and prizes. Those go to people who are faithful, people who are believers, people who are Christians. A lot of times people say, well, pastor, hold on a second because, you know, we're in church right now. Sit in church in front of you right now. Doesn't that mean I'm a believer? I'm watching church online. I didn't have to do that. I'm putting in the effort. Doesn't that mean that I'm a believer? Well, no. Do you know that nowhere in the Bible says because you attend church that makes you a Christian? 
It doesn't work like that. You're not a believer just because you show up to a church service, sit in a seat in a sanctuary, and warm up a spot. You're not a believer just because you log into a church service online and say, I'm a Christian. It's like going to Burger King and saying, you know, I really like burgers. I'd love to be a burger. Go to Burger King and say, I'm a burger. Sit there in the store. Think that that makes you a burger. It doesn't. Log into Burger King's website and say, I'm a burger. I'm a burger. Nope. Just some crazy person sitting there looking at a website. The same way you can't just sit in church service, call yourself a Christian, or log into a church service online and think that that's going to make you a Christian. Well, pastor, okay, I understand that, but my parents raised me in church. They told me we were Christians growing up. Maybe they hung a cross or a St. Christopher on your neck. Had you baptized or christened as a child. You went to religious classes like Sunday school, Sabbath school, maybe catechism class. You've always thought of yourself to be a Christian. Everybody, you know, born in America, everybody born in America is going to heaven. We're not any other religions. We're not Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus. We're Christians, right? Wrong. Did you know that nowhere in the Bible does it say that because your parents raised you in church, tell you you're a Christian, that makes you a Christian. Nowhere in the Bible does it say because you attend religious classes, wear religious jewelry, do religious rituals, because you're born in the right nation, that your location on the earth will get you into heaven. It's not there. Nowhere in the Bible does it say because you're not something else that by default God lumps you into the category of being a Christian, headed for heaven and denying your presence in hell. Come on. We're talking about your eternal life. Tonight, I'm loving you enough, respecting you enough, and honoring you enough to tell you the truth. You're not going to make it. Some of you say, well, pastor, okay, I get that. I understand that. But, you know, my last church I got involved, I helped out, sang in the choir, carried the pastor's Bible, made decisions. People thought of me as a leader. Even got a membership card to that church and taught in the Bible classes. And while those are all wonderful things, and I'm glad you did them, could you just show that to me in the Bible where that gets you into heaven? Because it's not there. Nowhere in the Bible does it say because you got involved in church helped out, sang in the choir, carried the pastor's Bible, make decisions. People think of you as a leader because you teach in the Bible classes, you get to go to heaven. It's not there. God's not some bank commercial waiting at the gates of heaven saying, what's in your wallet? Looking for a membership card to a church. That's how you think you're going to make it. You're not going to make it. Okay, pastor, but it wasn't just a thing in church, outside of church. I, I, I was good too. I, I used to be bad. I'll admit that. But I cleaned up my act. Been really good. Had one guy tell me, Pastor, I'm working on my resume, thinking that he could be good enough to earn his way into heaven. Do you know that nowhere in the Bible to say you can earn your way into heaven? I don't care how much money you've given to charities, how nice you've been to your neighbors, how kind you've been to your family members when they're ugly to you. Your good works aren't going to earn you merit or brownie points with God where if you do enough good, that'll get you in heaven. Sometimes people think, well, Pastor, I'm not as bad as the other people. I've never murdered anybody. I've never committed adultery. I haven't stolen anything in my life. Doesn't that mean that I'm okay with God? And yet, you think God's got some scales? Saying, okay, let's see how good you are compared to these other people. Nowhere in the Bible say that. Nowhere. In fact, the Bible says we will stand alone before God and give an account of our lives personally and individually. It's not going to be anybody else standing there except Jesus. Oh, but I know Jesus. I know about God. Ah, I, I get it now, Pastor. Someone was witnessing one time, they asked me, do you know Jesus? And I said, yeah, I do. And they said, oh, then you're fine. We don't need to talk to you. But did you know that nowhere in the Bible said just because you know Jesus, you get to go to heaven? How do I know that? Because the Bible says the demons believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and they tremble. Why? Because they know their end. The devil himself knows who he is. You find the devil quoting scriptures in Matthew, the fourth chapter. He knew God. He knew the scriptures. Yet we find out in Revelation, 
He'll be cast into the lake of fire. He doesn't get to go to heaven. He'll be cast into the lake of fire along with those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. Tonight, I'm loving you enough, respecting you enough, and honoring you enough to tell you the truth. You're not going to make it just by having mental assent towards God, knowing who Jesus is or being able to quote a scripture. Even if you celebrate Christmas and Easter every year of your life, that's not going to make it. The only thing that's going to make it is what you've done with your heart. Jesus said that in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. Now, I know, I know, I know. In our society, they made a mockery out of that term. They raked it to the coals. Being born again, they've made out to be some goofy, weirdo, nonsensical, radical, fanatical thing that no one wants to have any part of. It's weird. I, Pastor, I saw a celebrity. They got saved. They were born again. One of those born-again Christians. I, I don't like them, and I don't want to be like them. Listen, you don't have to be like them, but if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. What does that mean? It doesn't mean what the world says. It's not that weirdo stuff you've seen. It means what the Bible has to say. What does being born again really mean from the Bible? Well, from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, being born again has always meant the same thing. Are you listening? It means that you've given God all of your heart and that you've given God all of your life. It's just that simple with God. It's all or nothing. Let me prove it to you in the last book of the Bible, book of Revelation. Jesus is speaking to a church just like he's speaking to us here in this church tonight. And he says, when I come, I want to find you hot or I want to find you cold because if I find you lukewarm, he says, I'll vomit from my mouth. Whoa. Gross, Jesus. Pretty graphic words, wouldn't you say? But what's he saying? What does lukewarm mean? Well, it means a little in, a little out, a little up, a little down, a little token prayer every now and again. An occasional church attendance. God is something in your life, but he's not everything. You're not opposed to God, but you're not wholehearted for God. Listen, lukewarm, half-hearted Christianity is not real Christianity at all. Because only people that are not real Christians will be ejected, and rejected from the body of Christ. So tonight I want to give you an opportunity to give God all of your heart and to give God all of your life, holding nothing back, just giving it all to him. That's what he wants. And that's why he gave you all of his heart and all of his life at the cross. He's asking you no less than he gave you already. You know, it's an unfair exchange when you think about it. All of God for all of me, wow. What an exchange that takes place. And yet it's your choice. It's your call. In a moment, I'm going to count to three just like this. Here's what the opportunity is going to look like. One, two, three. And then I'll say three and pop my hand on this microphone. Bang, just like that. When you hear the sound of my hand pop on this microphone just like that, bang, that's your opportunity to simply raise your hand. Slip it up right, right up in the air. Real simple, real easy. If you need to give God all of your heart, need to give God all of your life, when I say one, two, three, bang, just get your hand up in the air. What you're doing by the raising of your hand is you're making a statement. You're saying something. You're saying, I want to give God all my heart. I want to give God all my life. I want to be born again, headed for heaven, denying my presence in hell. I'll see your hand go up. I'll count it. And then you can put it right back down. You might be thinking, whoa, 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 wait a second. Time out. Pastor, if I raise my hand, I'll be embarrassed. Yeah, you might be. Let's push past that because think of the trade-off. Isn't it better to be embarrassed for a moment than it is to end up in hell forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, no one would make that trade. A moment of possible embarrassment for an eternity away from God, come on. Yet the devil thinks you're dumb. So he's trying to talk you out of this right now. He's saying, you don't have to do this. You're fine. Just sit there and do nothing. Listen, that pastor's a liar. No, the devil's a liar. The Bible says so. He's the father of lies. Iniquity was found in him. That's why he's cast out of heaven. Now he's trying to drag your soul to hell. Tell that devil, go jump in a fire lake. You're not going with him. You're going on with God. Tonight, get ready to get your hand up. If that's you, 
Who should raise their hand? If you've been running from God instead of to God, I'm speaking to you. Who should raise their hand if you're not sure about your salvation tonight? Make sure. Who should raise their hand if you've never done this before, never said yes to Jesus? Give them all of your heart and all of your life. I'm speaking to you. Or finally, who should raise their hand? If you look, you're lukewarm in this place, you know that's the condition of your heart when I described it. Get ready to get your hand up. Be determined tonight. A determined believer who follows, who does the will of God, and is looking for the prize, salvation and eternal life in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me, I will deny you. Tonight, your call, your choice. You've got this time. You've got this moment. We're not guaranteed another one. It's appointed for man once to die and then to the judgment. Not coming back as a dog or a frog, working your way up into a human again, get another shot at this. This is all you got. And we are not guaranteed another moment. We're all one accident, one incident, one virus away. Jesus could come back at any time. So tonight, count the cost. Tonight, look to the reward in the future. Make the right response. If that's you, you need to give God all of your heart, need to give God all of your life, whether you're live or online, get ready to get your hands up on the count of three. I'm going to count. Here we go. You ready? Get ready to get your hands up. One, two, three. Let me see your hands. Just raise them up high for me right now if that's you. There's one. Thank you. There's two and three. Got you guys. Who else tonight? There's four over there. Yes, five up on top. I got you. Thank you. God bless you. Who else tonight? Need to give God all of your heart. And you need to give God all of your life. There's five wise people already. I didn't embarrass them. I won't embarrass you. Thank you. Up here, I got you. You can put your hand down. Appreciate that. Wonderful. Anybody else real quick? Just want to make sure that your heart and life is right with Jesus Christ. Come on online. If you haven't already raised your hand and you need to, get it up right now. Get it up right now. I believe there's someone sitting next to their kitchen. God's saying, will you give me all of your heart? Will you give me all of your life? Just get your hand up if that's you right now. Say, Pastor, how do you know that? Just got, a, got an image of someone sitting next to their kitchen. God gave me that image in my imagination. I just feel led to just call that out tonight. If that's you, come on, let's go for God. Good for you. Let's go. Good. Good. That's wonderful. Keep going. Thank you in the family room. Got you number six here live. Appreciate that. Anybody else? Just want to make sure. Want to make sure your heart and life is right with Jesus Christ. Anybody else? Anybody else online? Come on, let's go for God if that's you. Anyone else? All right, let's give the Lord a hand for about six people here live and many more online, I believe. All right. You know, when I got married to my wonderful wife, we went to an altar and we said some words and all of a sudden we were married. It was amazing. And in the same way, when I gave my heart and my life to Jesus, there was a moment that I prayed a prayer and invited him into my life. Tonight here at the altar, I'd like to invite you to come and say some words just like that and have your life forever changed. Nothing mystical about the altar or the words that you say. It's not some magical abracadabra words. It's your heart. But we just want to provide that moment and that place. So if you would, can we all stand? And if you raised your hand or you, you should have raised your hand, would you come to the altar so we can pray together? You got your children, they raised their hand, they're welcome to come. Maybe you got a friend you want to bring with you, they're welcome to come. Get your stuff, your coat, purse, sweater, Bible, a friend of you, need a friend, get in the alcohol and throw your mask on if you got it. Or if you don't, just come on. We'll social distance up here. You just come right now. Come on down. Come on down. Let's pray together here at the altar tonight. Come on, they're coming. Let's give them a hand. You can come too. They're still coming. Anybody else, if you need to come, just make it way to the front right now. Come on down.
Everyone up front, thank God you guys have come. This is the best decision of your entire life right here, right now. God's going to come in and do a miracle. You're going to be brand new on the inside. I'm going to give you some short, simple phrases to pray. The prayer is just simply talking with God. So don't say it to me. Say it to God right now, okay? And those of you online, you can join in as well and say these same words and pray these, this prayer to God. And everybody's going to join in together, whether you're here live or online. We'd like everybody to join in to encourage our new brothers and sisters. So let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes and say these words out loud together in faith before God. Say, Father God. I come to you tonight in Jesus' name to give you all of my heart and all of my life. Please come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me my sin. Wash me with your blood. Cleanse me of my past and give me a future with you, Lord. For I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came, he died, and he's raised again to life just for me. Thank you, Jesus. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit and let it be known that I am determined to follow you for the rest of my days. I'm a Christian. I'm born again, headed for heaven, denying my presence in hell. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we just give the Lord a hand? Hey, guys, welcome to the family of God. We are so excited for your new life in Jesus Christ. Now, I know when I got saved, I needed some people to help me and encourage me in my walk with God. I didn't know anything, and so I needed to learn some stuff. And so we want to do the same thing for you guys. I have some friends. First one I want you to meet is Pastor Joel over here waving at you. Pastor Joel is a really good guy. wants to give you some free stuff, introduce you to a friend, and let you go. Okay? Plain, simple. But let me encourage you with this. Be determined. Be determined to follow God. Learn his ways. He'll describe how that works, but I want to encourage you guys, consistently come back to church. Give us a year. Say, you know what? If you're just trying this thing out, cool. Try it out for a year, right? Be determined. Follow God and watch the transformation that God does in your life. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be excited. And it doesn't matter if the devil comes and tries to tell you you're crazy because he'll come. He'll say, that was fake. That was weird. Uh, what were you doing, right? Tomorrow morning, you're going to look the same, smell the same. The devil's going to say, you're no different. No, you're different. Be resolute. Be determined. God has done something in your life, okay? So he's going to help you with that. He'll give you the free stuff. Introduce someone, then let you go, okay? So just make a left turn. Follow Pastor Joel right this way. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. And those of you that are joining us online, wherever you're at, across the nation and around the world, we want to get you those same materials and those same connections and want to encourage you in the same way because the devil's going to try and come and steal that away from you too. So you need to be determined as well. So if you'll just wait right after we dismiss tonight, we're going to pray and shout that the Inland Empire shall be saved. The Inland Empire is where we live. Maybe you want to put where you live in that place and shout that out. And then right afterwards, listen to the directions, how to get a hold of those same materials and those same connections. If you're in the area, come on to church. Come on, let's have a good time together. And we want to encourage you in your walk with God. God is good. You guys blessed tonight? You guys determined tonight? Come on, we're going to follow God. We're going to do his will. And we're going to win the prize. Amen? Amen. As the prayer teams are stepping forward, would you lift your hands to the Lord? Let me bless you as we go. Father, I bless the saints of God from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. They are blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed coming, blessed going. May everything they put their hands to, they shall prosper. And Lord, we're determined about our inland empire. And we say out loud and in faith that the inland empire shall be saved. Thank you 
you so much for joining us online. What a blast getting to do church with all of you. If you just gave your heart to Jesus and prayed the salvation prayer with our pastor, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. Here at The Rock, we wanna get you plugged in and set up for success as you start this new walk. In a moment, I'd like you to head to our Respond to God page so you can fill out some information and we can get in touch with you. We not only wanna send you some free material, we'd also like to get you hooked up with a friend who can help guide you through your new walk with Jesus. We have multiple friends available that would love to meet with you via a Zoom chat, a phone call, maybe an email, or any type of COVID-friendly interaction they wanna meet with you. We have this wonderful little booklet called Welcome to Your Destiny, Easy Steps to a Successful Future with God. Now, if you live in the continental United States, we'd love to mail you this copy, this paper copy, and get it in your hands. If you don't live nearby, don't even worry about it. We also have electronic copies available in PDF format we would love to send your way. We also have this fun little comic book we'd love to send to any kids out there that just gave their heart to Jesus as well. This book is super fun. It helps explain their walk with God in a fun, age-friendly way that they can understand. So now what I'd like you to do, I'd like you to click on the link provided below. Now, if you can't find the link, it's okay. We're gonna send you to our webpage. We'd like you to go to rockchurch.com and click on the Respond to God tab in the bottom right-hand corner. This is gonna send you to a new page where we can get your information so we can send you a free copy of either one of these fun guys. And we can also get you hooked up with a great friend who will help you walk through these next steps. Well, it was so great hearing the Word of God with you today. We can't wait to see you at our next service. And don't forget, God loves you and so do we.